So, welcome to another instalment of On The Road, our Preacher Recap Podcast. Joining me in the car, as always, is my trusty companion on this long journey, Mose. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, but we also have a special guest in the back seat this week, the Dean what? of Bat. Yeah, the Dean of Batman University himself, Tony Sindelar. Thanks for joining us. Hello, nerds. I'm just a suspicious hitchhiker, uh, hopefully headed in the same direction as you. So, so all the way gonna- down to the Big Easy. Yeah. I was going to ask you, Tony, uh, what's your experience with Preacher? Because none of us have read the comics. So I have read the comics, but it was uh, probably about ten years ago, and uh, it, this is what this is. I'm having a. I had a similar experience with uh, American Gods, where it's like I read the source material, but more than like a decade ago, and it it's very fuzzy in my head. So. I know that there are characters uh, that are uh, new, or there are characters that I totally don't remember, and I only vaguely remember the plot. Uh, I would say the only thing I really know is I know why God is missing. That's what I got going for me. But everything else, uh. I feel like I'm. It's just kind of, um, you know, a, a hazy mismatch. And you know, I, I, maybe I mean, maybe if I went back and, re- and reread them, it would feel like a more uh, faithful adaption, uh, adaption of the comics, but it feels more like it's got the tone of the comics than the exact plot points. Um, uh, so, yeah. Both of us are keeping ourselves fairly pure, so mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going on. My, so, uh, I my failing say- memory is ke- heading me in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tony, by that standard, uh, you know, the only thing that I had heard, sort of, which was that the for whole first season was basically kind of like preamble mm-hmm. to getting to where the comics started. I d- yeah, I did not remember anything in the comics. Like I, I, I'm sure that there is stuff, but like I, in the com- the thing that I remember in the start of the comics is like I think the church blows up and then he's on the road, uh, and like I feel like that was probably handled pretty quickly in the comics, whereas it was the whole first season of uh of the show. So, but there are several several of the characters that we've met from his starting town, are characters in the comics. So. Hmm. so we've had a few speed bumps on the the road to getting here. So we're going to cover three episodes uh, in this show. We've got uh, three, four, and five to come. So shall we start with episode three, which is Damsels? Oh, man. Did you think that it could get any gorier? <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, it was just the way this started, you know, it was the sort of, um, we see Eugene with his normal face and sort of happy music and everything. And then we realized that we're in the flashback to Eugene's origin story as it, as it was. And I don't know if we knew all the details of this, but basically um, he goes to see uh, Tracy, his friend, who's going to kill herself as her boyfriend cheated on her. And he talks her out of it, but then he kisses her and she's immediately so disgusted she shoots herself in the face. I I don't remember if we got that detail before. Well, I knew that the mother hated him and it was never really explained why she did. That he was somehow involved, but we didn't know how that was carrying out. Yeah. And yeah, as you say, we get the gory details of him literally trying to scoop her brains back into the top of her head. Um, And, uh, you know, he shoots himself as as well at the end of it because he's he's basically trapped in the room and he's got no way out. Uh, So we get this whole thing. And then he shoots himself and it starts repeating Groundhog Day style. Mm hmm. And we get it again and again and again. Which and then, which somewhat yeah, lines up with uh, in the previous season, we saw that the uh, the Saint of Killers character in his kind of old West nightmare is who is all. I guess that so this is establishing that hell is your worst memory repeated again and again and again. Since the Saint of yeah. Killers had that day where his family gets killed, and Eugene gets this uh, slightly shorter time period, but again and again and again. Yeah. yeah. Saint, Saint of Killers was retrieved from hell, correct? Yes, by those yes, angels. he was. And he was literally in the same kind of loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, 
not to jump ahead uh, two episodes, but there's a lot of looping going on and repeating in these episodes uh, to come. But so this goes on for a while, uh, getting faster and faster. And then uh, basically the holodeck generator in his cell fails and it becomes clear that we're in his own personal hell. And hell is actually a small prison cell Mm -hmm. with some little device on the ceiling that is projecting this. Um, Very institutional hell. Yeah. And and fairly good tech. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when it doesn't break. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I think the the, the, the IT people don't seem surprised that it's breaking. Um, And hell is very overstretched it seems and doesn't have the resources that mm-hmm. it needs uh, yeah hell, well uh, it's yeah it's running windows 95 well and they're probably <laughs> underfunded so yeah um <laughs> but yeah that so we're basically we we're we're back with eugene for a good chunk of this episode um and i the one thing i do know from the comics is that eugene turns up uh in them so you know w- it wasn't the last we saw of him. Yeah, that made me happy to be able to see him because I was, I was kind, I knew we, I, I just through the 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 trailers and whatnot. I mean, his face showed up, so I was like, mm, we're gonna see him. And it, yeah. it is striking to see him in his uh, before face, also. Very. Yeah. Yes, it took me a second to sort of work out who he was and what was going on. And then but, we're cutting. We're cutting right into uh, the Big Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, lots of listening to bad jazz, and uh, we have the our trio turning up and going. They're on the search for God, and this is as we were saying last time. This is kind of the first time we've seen them in a sort of very busy uh, urban environment. Uh, and it's quite a quite a change from the, the the whole show so far. Yeah, the actors have been really positive about um, working uh, down there, and uh, well, you know, it does add for a kinetic feel of you know all these people and and things going on. I personally have never been there, but it gave me a good sense of um, the vomit. And I was going to say, yeah, I mean, there's that the great kind of establishing shot where it's like, it's just one big party, but to remind you that, you know, parties are not just all uh, fun and delight as a, you know, a, a random person vomits in the street, right? Um, so it's, you know, I, I mean, I think Preacher frequently kind of, uh, it does not always have the most positive uh, depiction of kind of humanity, right? Um so we have this kind of magical city with all this music and everyone's having a great time. And then, yeah, and then someone vomits in front of the camera on onto the, the public street. So, yeah. I feel like that is consistent consistent with uh, how Preacher views uh, humanity slash America slash uh, cities. Um, and that's even before their first attempt at looking for God. Oh, yeah. boy. So they they know uh, God is into jazz, so they say, well, let's go to some jazz clubs. And it turns out there was 187 of them in the city, apparently. Um, so they start with the first one and say they're looking for God and they're led away down a sort of maze of twisty passages. And there's an old man at the end of a corridor and is, is this God? No. Uh, it's some weird sex room thing. Um with somebody dressed up as a dog as well. Oh my gosh! Yes, this I, I just I gotta say, like, well, number one, I was overjoyed that they found quote God uh, right off the bat, but I knew this was not well, this was not gonna be truly God. And then, like, I have to think: is there some sort of thing with like? reversing the letters and you get dog and that was kind of how it worked i i don't know but it was just it was it's so just, I, I think it was just the the danger of you know they stumbled into a place and accidentally used a code word uh that you know could have you know yeah it's well i i didn't understand because the club was the kitty cat club mm-hmm. why in the kitty cat cat club do you have dogs well but... i don't know i mean they did take them on quite a maze of uh basements and and uh yeah. walking through kitchens and whatnot so i was unclear how close they were to where they had started 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I got scared because I felt like I was watching one of those bad YouTube videos where you really shouldn't be looking at it at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they bail from that fairly quickly, although Cassidy is sort of fishing in his pocket for money. Um, <laughs> yes. Classic Cassidy. And uh, uh, Cassidy and Tulip. Tulip says she needs a lie down, which we know is a lie, but she goes off. Cassidy follows her. And Jesse goes on, go, goes on alone, um, and sort of has. There's a montage sequence of him going through many, many jazz clubs, and uh, uh, Cassidy and Tulip end up uh, going to uh, Cass's friend uh, Dennis, and who only seems to speak French. And I actually, I found there was a translation of the stuff he he said because I initially I wondered if he was somebody that. Um, knew Cassidy at all <laughs> initially it didn't I, I it had, looked like he was just Cassidy was I, I have just enough just barely enough uh vague high school French to figure out nice. what he was going up but like like I'm getting just the, the the gist of it but it seemed like he knew Cassidy and he's like oh you're just gonna show up on my door and want to stay at my house and I know he definitely yeah. says something about sleeping here uh but yeah I, I mean my my French is awful, and my perception was he was talking pretty fast. <laughs> so yeah, um, well he he, yeah. Sa- he says a whole bunch of stuff like you know you, you last time you turned my apartment into a pigsty. Yeah, you eat and drink like crazy. Blah blah blah, and it's like where are your other prostitutes? I'm too old for this. Yeah, and stuff like that. So yeah, which um, which you know probably reminds us uh, Cassidy being a vampire. I don't know how much we've established about how long Cassidy has been around, but this, mm-hmm, you know, in that mm-hmm. he presumably is not aging, he, uh, maybe he was friends with Dennis when Dennis was significantly younger, right? He may not have seen ah, Dennis in, yeah. you know, 30 or 40 years. Um, so, but it, I mean, again, just kind of a weird thing where Dennis is going to let them stay, but literally is not talking to them and uh, just is kind of this ghost wandering around in the background of his own apartment. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the Tulip is clearly just doesn't want, uh, to be there because she knows that, you know, Victor is around, um, and looking for them. So, you know, she, she's very evasive and he's like, you know, don't treat me like the idiot Irish sidekick. And we get the, we get the, yeah, we're back in more montage of Jesse. And he finally gets a tip, which is to talk to this singer at a jazz club, um, who's this sort of very stereotypical femme fatale figure, you know, sort of Raymond Chandler style. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, you know, he talks to her, she throws um, her drink in his face and says, you know, secretly meet me outside. And he goes out and she's has jumped in a cab which immediately crashes into a white van and is abducted by this gang of men in white suits and masks and then we're into like a fight which i thought was fairly worthy of daredevil and we see that preacher is pretty handy with you know a tire iron or whatever it was he was using in this one um yeah i I was really thrown back like all of a sudden like it's these really well-dressed ninjas and i was like "Uh oh ninjas yeah we've we've been there most uh, and but I thought the fight scenes generally have been pretty good in this series. Um, uh, like not many cuts. It's got this sort of weird, sort of slightly sped up feel to them. Um, and you can see that they are cutting, like when you know the camera goes behind somebody's back or something. But it, it's a it's a nice sort of it's it's not your sort of typical fifteen cuts a second type fight. Um, but yeah, he rescues her from the from the thing and uh goes back to her place and she says that the the people that were after her, she calls them what is it, some super secret crypto religious fascist organization. Yeah. With with plans on world domination. And that they're they they're after God. So we've got this other we assume that she's telling the truth, that um there's some other party is also looking for God. And she does the, you know, could you stop me kissing you? Uh, and he does to sh- prove that he has the this power. And- yeah, I, you know, and 
I, I, this is one thing that I find really interesting about the mm, superpowers is that there is a risk now of him using his power. Now, you know, it wasn't always there, but now as soon as he does it, that's going to get um, the Saint of, Kill- uh, Saint of Killers yeah. uh, to activate and immediately start tracking him down. Yeah, and he knows this, so I'm I'm surprised that he does it. But because we we were thinking in the last episode that you know now he won't be doing it as much, so they don't have it as an easy plot device. But no, he's doing it. Um, and yeah, so she she goes off having been rescued and gets in a taxi to go stay with her sister. Blah blah blah, and we think that's the end of of that. Uh, and. There was a, there was one odd moment. There's like this poster, and it says "Come see Angelville" or something. It's like some carnival thing, and yeah, Jesse has this really odd reaction to it that they don't explain. And yeah, we've we've got. Uh, I think we we cut back and we see Eugene in his cell, and his door is open because of all the things have failed. So he goes out into this long, infinite corridor of cell doors and, you know, saying hello and somebody answers. And it's clearly Hitler, which... Fade to black. Yeah. Uh, Well, we have also the... um, uh, Lara, the the femme fatale, gets out of the taxi, takes off the wig, gets back in another white van, and it's like... They've been keeping an eye on him. The whole thing was a setup, and it's like uh, it says something like, "Kick him up to Samson unit," and and yeah, and then uh, we have uh, Tulip goes out and gets cigarettes and gets kidnapped. And then uh, we to by black. the way, the fi- there's there's one thing that's key in here is when he is kicked to Samson unit, we now have a new character. With looking at these file folders, uh, a guy with a cloudy eye. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he's got a so, nameplate, so they they establish his name is Hair Star, uh, and he seems to be looking yeah. out over the London skyline. Yeah, interesting. And, okay, and there, were, and there were multiple files on his desk. Yeah, one of them uh-huh. was Jesse, and the other one yes. was labeled Pig. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah. I'm curious. And it and uh, you know, in the three episodes we're covering, it does not come up in episode four or five, correct? So it's that's no. yeah, they're laying a seed there that will that will uh, that'll sprout later, not not right away. Uh, and you know, perhaps this partial spoiler. I did look ahead in the names of the episode titles, and the name of one of those folders is the title of episode seven. I, I won't say any more uh. about that. So, hmm. 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 Well, I'll tell you, binge binging these episodes is kind of nice because immediately they're kind of very tightly connected. So you're immediately coming right back into where you left off. Yeah, um, I mean, if you watch them in sort of twos or threes, you get like a little movie um, every few weeks, and uh, exactly episode four, Victor, it starts at the exact end shot from the previous one where uh tulip is tulip is standing at a cigarette machine f- and she's been feeding it um quarters for half an hour or something and while all these people mass around her and uh yes it, it's victor's goons who have uh who take her gun and take her away and we see jesse heading into dennis's place and just as he goes in you see the sort of um, a, a number of black SUVs that have got her just go past just at that second. Oh, poor Jesse. Yeah, and he does not seem worried at all about uh, Tulip being out since last night. He's just going to take a nap. And uh, I think throughout the episode, we have uh, we have Cassidy trying to hint gently that something might be up, but because he's promised not to say anything... Um, you know, he. Uh, I mean, we 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 don't know yet, really, the the how the background between Jesse and, and and Tulip is, but 
uh, he is unconcerned at anything that's going on. And yeah, we have uh, Tulip at Victor's place and there's like, there's the room with this torture sounds and stuff coming out as she's sitting there looking very apprehensive. Uh, And oh yeah, we have, uh, we have Eugene uh, with Hitler. As well. Yeah, we go, let's go back to hell because every all the doors seem to unlock, and so he gets to kind of see who is here with him. Which you know really wasn't the star-studded cast of sinners that I thought it would be. Uh, yeah, it, it's like Hitler, and then like like a bunch <laughs> of stereotypes, basically. Yeah, and like a bully or something. Like yeah, it seems I mean, real high schooly. He seemed a kind of like sixties guy with the way his collar was up or something. I, I wasn't sure, but uh, the, yeah, the guy Tyler, who sort of starts mocking Eugene, and then Hitler starts defending him, and there's a there's a face off, and then the the warnings go off, and they and they go. He ends up in Hitler's cell because his door is locked already, so he gets to see some of Hitler's uh, worst memory, which is which seems. Yeah. I was just going to say, which is to be intentionally mundane. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Which is a a cafe in Munich in 1919, just after the end of World War I. Uh, My wife is from Munich, and she pointed out all the mistakes in the scene Mm -hmm. with, like, the the German that was on the board and things, and some of the things they said. But anyway, uh, he's bumped by a Jewish man, and there's a sort of ominous pause. And anyhow, it's no problem. And... Well, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not familiar with my Hitler uh, history, but I remember him being an artist of some sort. He's kind of a failed artist, yes. Yeah, and it seems as though, like, if I'm I'm remembering this right, it's like a gallery owner or something that she's going to introduce him. And I guess, I mean, we, we only see the first, probably first half of the memory. I'm assuming the memory ends with him being embarrassed or, uh, you know, in some way. Uh, disparaged by the art, the the art gallery owner, which is still an incredibly mundane <laughs> worst day. Yeah, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe his, the girl his... is going to break up with him or something. But but yes, the, but this his, his worst day in his life is what inspires him to become you know an incredibly horrible genocidal maniac. So I mean, his girlfriend really hates the communists. Yes, that and is he's also not, mentioned. Doesn't seem to be as concerned. I suppose so. Yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah, there's some interesting stuff with Hitler in this, that he is effectively the most sympathetic character we come across in Hell. Yes. Um, Which I'm not sure what I feel about. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but I think it's going to be tongue in, it's going to be very tongue in cheek, but it feels as though... It's uh, very dark humor, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. And where Hitler is sympathetic compared to the kind of uh, bro-y Hell prisoner with his popped-up jumpsuit collar, um, a Tyler who totally looks like a Tyler. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Which also, I mean, kind of jumping forward, uh, Eugene is basically warned that he has to be evil to, you know, that they're keeping an eye on him in hell because he doesn't seem evil enough, which to me raises the question of, in order to fit in, uh, Eugene joins in in beating up Hitler. And I was like, and which raised for me the question, I was like, isn't being nice to Hitler more evil than beating up Hitler. So, but it's it's complicated politics in hell, apparently. Very. I mean, you you, you know, you have the the whole politicalness of prison, and then tack on that that your overseers and uh, want you to act up and be nasty. Yeah, I mean, this is. I was thinking about this. This is the reverse of the good place, mm-hmm. in that Eugene has ended up in hell <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> so, which leads me to then suspect, you know, the like second guess it, and maybe his hell is like there's a sort of meta hell, and his hell is going to be the fact that he turns bad in hell and is just as bad as everybody else, or something. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I'm not trusting them that this is all exactly as it seems, mm-hmm. but I um, keep waiting yeah. for, I mean, just because. The Vertigo comics, uh, which are not all part of a shared continuity by any means, but many of them have these depictions of hell, especially in Sandman, and and Constantine is a whole comic series spinoff from from Sandman about Lucifer and various uh, demonic creatures, and I kept kind of waiting for, uh, 
like one of the I guess the kind of the warden of hell to like take off her hat or something or change her hair and reveal that she has horns or something like that because uh, it is this kind of mundane prison hell as opposed to seeing like demonic creatures right um, but but I guess you know the angels are also n- not it's not like they have wings and halos they're just people who don't die <laughs> so yeah. you know Tony I I look to you for a lot of um, organizational um, information and doing a paperwork and i i just have to ask um you know if you're just sent to hell um by a booming voice don't you think some uh paperwork and clearly they have paperwork um would there would have been some sort of uh glitch in the system some kind of audit might catch that eventually yeah, I'm just curious what I, your thoughts are it on, seems on the like, audit. I mean, I'm also just thinking from a story perspective. Oh, uh, one way or another, uh, Eugene's going to get out of hell, right? Whether he escapes, is revealed to be there erroneously, or gets uh, recruited and sent somewhere, uh, I think he's got to he's got to leave hell and uh, and cross paths with our our friends. So. One way or another, he's going to get out. But, you know, it's it's tricky. You know, I think hell is probably b- pretty big on the bureaucracy, but they're also probably pretty big on corruption in, 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 and inefficiency. So it may take a long time before a bureaucratic oversight gets uh, seen and corrected, is, is my sense. <laughs> that, that's the I, answer I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So the, the other little sequence in this episode, which I liked a lot, is we have they they're watching this infomercial about hurricane katrina and they notice that one of the actors in it is the actor who played god um it back back in the previous season when god turned up in jesse's church and they go through this whole thing of tracking down the his agent and try and get trying to get the information of where this guy is because they they think he could be a lead uh and he might have answers. What I liked about it partially is that the actor who plays God is called Mark Herlick, which is the name of the character as well. Um, really? So yes. So the, it was the, it's the, the real actor, as it were. Uh, and we have the, the, they find the agent and they go and, you know, they're, they're trying to convince him to give up the information. And Cassidy just launches in and says, "We want to book him for Game of Thrones." I, I love this segment. Uh, it reminds yeah, me. Yeah, this is a very like uh, Mose. I know you listen to Total Party Kill. This is channeling a lot of Total Party Kill uh, things that I love, where uh, people perhaps needlessly lie, but certainly maybe not needlessly, but certainly engage in overly complicated. <laughs> Um, uh, charades um, that they that they just immediately without without any prior discussion embrace wholeheartedly right and I like how I mean like when he Cassidy launches into it and Jesse is just like oh my god what is going on at first and then he basically kind of joins in on it and even the thing where uh, the agent is basically saying, well, you know, you'd have to fly in first class. And he's like, no, we're going to push back on that. Even though, why would I not go along with this? We're never actually going to fly him there. <laughs> but no, this is the fiction that Cassidy has bought into. And, and he's like, even Dinklage even flies Dinklage. business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, it was very reminiscent of the dice rolling that occurred uh, in the uh, in the desert uh, during the Marx Brothers episodes. Yes. Uh, of total total party kill which i highly recommend uh especially that episode (laughs) so yeah but yeah i i I like that whole whole sequence very much and then they get the audition tape uh which has they've never uh the agent has never watched and And i can only assume the woman in the background talking is our femme fatale agent of this uh you know super order taking over the world of angels I'm uh, not sure. I don't think so. I think you're connecting a dot that's not connected. Um, because I think... I think that is just... Yeah, it's the... It's some um, talent scout from heaven who's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Trying to find somebody who's going to fill their vacancy very quickly. I, lo- so, I love how we, we say this kind of stuff straight-faced. Mm-hmm. I, I can't... <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 the whole sort of concept that... You know, they're going to actually send somebody to Earth to find somebody worthy of playing God. And this is the, like, presumably there are literally no actors in heaven whatsoever who could do this role. Um, 
so they get this guy and then at the end they say well you do realize this is an open-ended uh position and he's like yeah yeah no it's a role of a lifetime and then they shoot him dead um uh, because that's the only way to get him up there. That's that's, that's the ticket. That's a one-way trip. So, yeah, yeah. Even though Eugene can go to hell with you know just uh, a few words, but yeah. well, and you know, and that is the. I mean, I think I, I can I can rationalize that for you if you want, James. You know, Please Jesse see. has the word of God, right? Uh, which is a pretty rare uh, skill set that is not available to anyone else, right? So the angels don't have that because their whole problem is. God is missing. So Jesse can order someone to he- to hell and perhaps to heaven. I don't know how the paperwork works, but I don't think anybody else has that ability. And in fact, that the fact that Jesse has that ability is the is the big problem as far as as heaven is concerned, right? Um so I accept your rationalization. I'm here to rationalize from the backseat. <laughs> backseat rationalization from our from our car on the road trip. A lot, yeah, that's the beauty part of uh Cassidy. Uh he he can hold a lot of dice and and do a lot of things in that regard and keep Jesse's uh wick um damp so that it doesn't light off, which is going to happen soon. But first, I got to say the acting, especially voice acting uh and the changing of accents is amazing. Like I know everybody in in on the cast is either British or Irish. Yes. And James, I didn't realize this, but like, um, who plays Cassidy? Um, it is. I'm looking at the oh, Wikipedia I, page, so I have it. It's it's. I should know it because Joseph he's from Gilgan? Misfits. I, I'm not familiar. That's the one. I did not know that Ruth Nega was not American, so I had just assumed that. Yes, right, because I've seen right. so many American roles. So, so, but he is he play is he putting on an accent of a Scotsman? Uh, I didn't think so. Uh, I would need to re-listen to that because too. I listen to him normally. And it's not the same accent, so he's pulling a different accent. But I can't, I, I can't place it. And I was looking to you as someone with a non-American accent. I'll say, well, and because there uh, is one monolithic American accent, of course. Yes, so. <laughs> much like there is one monolithic British accent. Um, I didn't think he was putting on a Scottish accent at all. Um, I will need to listen again to. So did he put on an accent in that sequence? What he, no, he's putting on an accent in the entire series because listening he's to him talk, to be, he's intended to be Irish. Cassidy is an Irish vampire. Well, yeah, okay. Ca- Cassidy's Irish. Yes. But, okay. Yes. Okay. Because his um, normal voice, I can't. I, I'm not sure where it places out. And so, I guess my question is, James, is it possible for you? to put on an American accent? Is, is it something that's just indicative? And, and how would that be done? Is it um, easy? I'm here to help uh, you, James, if you need help. I'm here to be an unauthorized dialogue coach. Trust me that this is not something I am going to do live on a podcast. Nope, nope, we're but, doing it. No, no, yeah. no, no. Because yeah, I think I, I should. Because I, 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 I would direct <laughs> you to listen to me attempting to put on a Scottish accent for one of the <laughs> incomparable radio theatres. And that will tell you that we're not going down this road. <laughs> but I think it's, I mean, the, the, just as a digression into accents, John Barrowman is the, the one that gets me because he has these two accents because he's Scottish. He's from Glasgow. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on. <laughs> I just, I just got my mind kind of just ripped apart there. Okay, what you, you need to go and find YouTube videos of John Barrowman speaking in his actual Scottish accent because it's completely different. And I saw him live at a signing in Edinburgh, and he started out and he's got his sort of uh, North American whatever voice on, and then after like a couple of sentences, he goes, you know why the hell am I talking to you like this? And switches to the accent he uses when he's here and when he's talking to his parents and stuff. So go find that, because he, he's another uh, stealth uh, Scottish actor in your, in your midst. So I, I can't convince you to, to just give me... Uh, no. You know, but how about just, how it, James, just, James, <laughs> repeat after me. Howdy, partner. Howdy, partner. 
Hamburger, no, hamburger, bang, not... bang, bang. <laughs> That's America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really bad uh, at picking up the differences in American accents as well. It's like, you know, I can vaguely say, well, that sounds sort of East Coast versus West mm-hmm. Coast versus, you know, Texas or whatever. Oh, but, and there are, there are different Texas accents even, so, you know. Oh, I, I'm, yeah. East, I mean, East Texas like, and West Texas is a whole thing, so, yeah. There's a, there's a world of different accents in mm-hmm. Glasgow. I mean, my accent is very sort of muted, uh, sort of what we would call here a Kelvin side accent. Kelvin side because that's where the BBC used to be, mm-hmm. and it's the river that passes near near it. But yeah, I, I'm there. There are certainly people who you, I think, you would have trouble understanding mm-hmm. uh, in this city. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you ever saw Train Spotting, yes, but when Train Spotting showed uh, in America, I believe they subtitled a lot of it, which is highly insulting. <laughs> I saw Trainspotting in theaters as a child who was snuck into a, an R-rated movie. I haven't done heroin Strong. since. So. As, a, as a child. Well, as a teenager. Just way, way to make me feel... As old. a teenager. I was not old enough to see an R-rated movie, but we got it. <laughs> I was probably... I mean, we could do the math, but let's say I'm 14 in this scenario. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we've... Slight digression there, but... Important, uh, important information was, was, uh, was worked out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this uh, is we, this is what happens on a road trip. You know, the conversation goes where 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 the road takes you. <clears throat> yes, um, as we drive into a ditch, um, uh, we missed out the whole of Tulip's story here. Who is uh, at Victor's mansion, and she certainly seems uh, contrite and apologetic. And we don't know quite yet what she's done, but. Everybody around her at the place is giving her the cold shoulder. Meanwhile, people are being tortured off in a side room. And uh, it, it seems like things are going to go quite badly for her. Because there's, there's very much a sort of, you know, a godfather feel of, you know, I brought you into my family and you disrespected me sort of vibe going on. Uh, and eventually she tries to get out and she... Uh, takes a guy's gun, goes upstairs, you know, puts a gun to the victor's head and is attacked and taken down and stuff. Uh, and then finally, uh, Cassidy decides to spill the beans a bit. And yes. something is going to happen. And I told <laughs> last episode, I said, I wonder if we're going to see Jesse really uncork. Well, we got a flash of that earlier in the episode when somebody was making fun of him at the bar. And he kind of like throws a, a glass in his face and there's just this brief flash of anger. But yeah, um, so we, we know he's, he's got a, a dark past and it seems to be about to, as you say, get uncorked. He's going on the warpath to Victor's and we have another fight. So like we had one just earlier in this episode and this, this one to Uptown Girl by Billy Joel. And... Oh. I see. I actually thought this one was a little bit long in the tooth. Like I think it could have been cut down just a little bit. But I, uh, I, I accept it's the the way in which they were putting it together. I liked all the different props and things, you know, mm-hmm. going through the mallet, the machete, the and fire I just, hose, and I mean, I just appreciated and... the mechanic of. I mean, Jesse has this unstoppable power unless you're wearing headphones. So yes, right? yes. So I thought that was clever, right? Um, yeah, and uh, he eventually gets uh, quite skewered, and uh, he finds out Tulip is up in the bedroom, so he goes up with murder on his mind, and she's like, no, no, you can't kill him, you can't kill him, he's my husband. Um, and then we get the end shot of uh, the Saint of Killers on his way towards New Orleans, walking along. Uh, this sort of side of a motorway because and, jesse has been using the voice to get in the house like an unstoppable nightmare just telling people to sit down stay there don't move yeah, and it does definitely it. definitely has sent up a, a a big flare as to his location or at least rough location <laughs> and yeah, again, we, we, we have this, like, immediate segue into the next episode, 
Um, so we have, this is episode five, Dallas. And as it starts, the, the red mist has descended over Jesse's eyes and he is sort of dragging Victor away back to this torture room. Tulip is protesting, you know, trying to say to him, I came here to get divorced. And, you know, she's apologizing. She says he's done nothing wrong. And then eventually he does the get out voice on her and, and forces her out the room. Uh, that was kind of a weird one uh, because she was so adamant about staying. She was fighting it. Yeah. That Which was is the strange. first time we've seen anyone sort of not immediately do um, do what he said. So I think that that might be an interesting, that could be indicating that she's going to have some power in the future to possibly fight this. But we will yeah. see. Um, and she says something like, you know, remember what happened in Dallas. You don't want that happening again. Smash cut. Flashback. Yeah. So, yeah, flashback to Dallas um, with the scene we'd seen before of Jesse shooting a cop and, you know, their ride driving off. And then I can't remember if we'd had the thing about the baby before. Um, I think we had something. I remember I, I it didn't it seemed like when she bent over, we knew sort of about that. But I might be mistaken. I might be just kind of mushing stuff together. I, I mm. believe we have been shown bits of that, or, or or certainly it was pretty heavily implied. Yeah, we we definitely flashbacks. seen bits of that and, scene. And, and I felt bad because I was like, I don't totally remember that. I remember that Carlos is the person that betrays them. I forget, and that that like vengeance against Carlos is kind of uh, Tulip's like driving factor in season one when she crosses paths with Jesse again, and I forget if that eventually is resolved or not um i think so. yeah the carlos they get him okay yeah um, and uh torture him but eventually i think he gets away and or is possibly killed but uh i did not remember the details but it may, it may not be hugely important so much as, as it's an important part of their their history and the backstory and the like complicated nature of their of jesse and tulip's romantic uh relationship yeah and we we have this sort of three months later cut mm-hmm. and Jesse is, you know, long beard, disheveled. Uh, and looking very much like from what I've seen from the comics with, you know, the really wild up hair. Yeah. Um, and he's got this flatmate, Reggie, who's sitting there making joints out of the bible or something mm-hmm. and is is that a thing do we know i i mean i i know i've gotten burned on this in in other shows whenever i discuss um marijuana and and the ways in which it's delivered to the system but i have to wonder is that a a thing i i am not aware of any bible specific um things no like bi- bible pages are really good for rolling joints that seems like probably if you're doing that you're uh lack of other resources right and also it's heavily symbolic right so yes. right yes i mean th- given that the only previous use of the bible seemed to be uh holding up the window yep um but they have a visitor in the form of danny who's come to dinner uh who is clearly their ex-employer in in some fashion that was i yeah, she- i was really struck by that uh that dinner scene because uh I mean, just the the awkwardness of it is is very interesting, and I think very kind of true to this, like the nature of this series, where Tulip is uh, trying to impress Danny with like that, or at least, or at least like convince her that their lives are, that they're doing great, and Jesse is just a wreck, right? Like he's clearly yeah. severely depressed or, or or completely withdrawn and basically not present. Um, and I was unclear at first when when Danny is there, like. Because th- there's kind of this thing where it's like, my my perception was like, oh, it's some friend who's doing really well that, like, Tulip is trying to impress. 
mm-hmm. then and mm-hmm. then it switches to like I thought like oh D- Danny must be this respectable person right she's she's a lawyer or a doctor or some other you know fancy hmm. profession that and maybe she's like I, I you know how would she know Tula maybe she's like a former <laughs> roommate or something like that but who's who definitely kind of looks down on and feels sorry for Tula and then like totally a, a, swi- a switch flips it in the conversation when Danny is like you need to come work for me in my criminal enterprise again <laughs> yes and she has the giant briefcase full yes. of money and and she wants them and... to kill her her ex-husband or whatnot yes yeah um, one of the files that she has was victor as mm-hmm. well you saw like the yep. flash of the photo mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know flipping expectations is a very um uh what should, how can i say this um it's 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 one of those things in this series that i think it kind of puts on its ear you know what you think it, and it flips it in a really interesting um, and sometimes fun way. And I'm, yeah. I mean, I and I think I feel like it keeps doing it, and it keeps pulling it off in ways that I'm not going. Like I, I mean, again, I've read the comics. I vaguely remember them. I feel like there's a lot of stuff on TV where I'm able to predict what's happened or what's going exactly. to happen. That yeah. that's every things that happen for this in, in, in Preacher shock and surprise me, and that it, is a fun. It's experience very hard to telegraph. Viewer. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, the actress, I recognized her, but I'm not sure who she was. I only watched this episode like an hour ago, so I haven't, I haven't had time to look people up, but she looked very familiar. Did anybody else, uh, recognize her? Uh, I have Amazon X-Ray going right now. Um, and yeah, she was, she's only over Beastly Ride, Goodbye World, and Bamboozled. Got me. I'm, I'm okay, maybe she just looked like somebody. Everybody kind of looks could... the same to me. So, sorry, people. <laughs> <laughs> you lose. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we have this montage of them you know, trying for a baby and failing and Jesse's drinking and nobody's happy. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's, that's a fairly long montage of unhappiness, but that was only apparently the start of it. Um, so we have a brief cut back to Jesse. He's about to torture Victor, uh, and Tulip has brought uh, Victor's daughter to see Casty to get her out of the place um, before you know uh, her father is brutally killed by Jesse. Uh, and, and there is a scene with the daughter and Tulip in a previous episode that you know you th- she was trying to warm up to her and and kind of be a mom figure and she gets a huge uh loogie spat in her face yeah so i was a bit surprised that the this the daughter went with her um and seemed you know not she seemed so somewhat sanguine that her father was about to be murdered but um uh cassidy gets a punch in the face as well for um having said what was going on uh and there's this scene between them where she, Tulip is like, you know, you know what you really want and, and sort of saying how he's a, a terrible person. Um, but Cassidy has decided he's going to go and talk Jesse down from, from this. Uh, and we get back and we have this more repeating uh, seeing uh, Jesse and Tulip in a, in a rut. You know, he has this cycle of he's buying beer and a pregnancy kit. And, you know, then they, they, they're they sitting in the bathroom looking at the pregnancy kit and she's clearly not getting pregnant. And he even gets to the point of praying uh, for a baby uh, with no results. And the, the and- way that this kept repeating and repeating and repeating it felt very like the hell sequences that we've seen mm-hmm. with with the saint of killers and with the with eugene and i'm sure that's uh deliberate yeah oh there's got to be something and then it, it becomes this like visual rhythm where you're expecting the same thing every time then when he does pray and he and his flatmate are having uh the annual smokeathon the fire detector goes off. And so things change from the usual because he sees this blue plastic bag in the vent. Yeah. And, and then, of course, um, 
Tulip comes home and he's doing the whole how was your day? Are you having fun? Uh, you know, selling selling houses and all this. And of course he's found out this big bag of money and things and she's been working for Danny and has clearly gone back to her old life and uh even worse than that she's been taking birth control pills and that's why they've not been getting pregnant or at least that's what i think i was seeing yeah that that makes perfect sense and so that really flips him off and we have um some really uh an interesting debate between the two that i thought was great and the uh the uh what's his name reggie yeah and he's like, maybe I should leave. No, we're just having a conversation. Shut I mean, up, it was, Reggie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, Reggie, who gets uh, all, all the anger and violence that he's feeling towards Tulip just seems to get directed towards Reggie um, at this point. And I, I don't know if that's what she meant about, you know, what happened in Dallas. Um, but, yeah, he... But they they keep going, and you know he's still sitting there, in with his beard watching. Uh, is it Bob Ross painting mm-hmm. uh, shows? It's just sort of typical daytime television stuff. And she's going out to work and sort of sticking a gun in her you know, the back of her jeans. Uh, and he announces that uh, he's done some inquiries and that the the church in anvil is uh empty and he's going to go back and he's going to become a preacher and this basically seems to be taking us to the pretty much to the start of last season yeah that he he still had the deed for it like it was willed to him so he kind of owns it yeah um and we we go back to present day cassidy's going to the mansion he passes past all the people who are still frozen and can't resist sort of pushing one over, which I thought was funny. Um, and he's talking to Jesse and he has this conversation and he reveals a bit more of his backstory. And he's like, you know, I was rich once, you know, as we, we don't know if that was 10 years ago or a hundred years ago. Um, and, you know, Jesse says nothing for most of this conversation. And then he pushes back with a, you know, uh, he's saying to Casty, why should I trust you? And it didn't quite come out of uh, a Cassidy and Tulip sleeping together, but there was at least, you know, he knows that, that they've lied to him about some stuff. Yeah, that see, that, and that still worries me. That bomb is still mm-hmm. unexploded. And I, I don't know how that plays out, but it, it knowing what Jesse can do and now seeing it, Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he's back in the torture rooms sharpening an axe. Mm-hmm. And it, we don't see what happens. Yeah. Uh, it is and kind he of, comes... Go on. No, it's just gonna, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, in some ways, uh, Jesse is, like, the most broken of the, of the three. Which is funny, given that, like, you know, Cassidy is this, like, alcoholic, drug-addled vampire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Tulip is, like... A former contract killer, but Jesse is like the deeply, deeply broken one, <laughs> despite that his life is, you know, slightly more mundane. <laughs> but yes, his his anger is uh is incredibly explosive. But he comes back and just walks in, grabs a beer, and says, "I took him down in very ambiguous fashion." Um, and and, and then the question's asked, "What does that mean exactly? Take him down?" And he doesn't seem to realize that what he was saying was ambiguous. Um, but he didn't kill him. Uh, he cut him down off, the, um, off the, the torture rack that he was up on. And uh, he got the divorce papers instead. I th- think, did he say he got them signed? Um, hey, yeah, hold on here. Uh, let, I'm, I, I got to pull up a, a meter of the BS detector, which is... I mean, again, I've never been divorced, and uh, I look to you all for paperwork action, but it seems like you need a lawyer to draw those up, and... I guess, to, I well, mean, I think there was the implication maybe there. Tulip had been walking around with them for a while. 
Yeah, so, she said yeah. she went there to get the divorce, so she okay. probably did the prep and, you know, at least got the downloaded from the internet version sure. of okay. divorce okay. papers. I'm sure there are PDFs out there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, so, you know, he didn't kill him. He got the divorce paper signed. He gets a kiss. Um, and we get this uh, scene of uh well first of all we have the, the there's uh Tulip and Victor playing Monopoly and she gets a phone call from Danny who's found Carlos and this is clearly where the point where she comes to Anvil later and is looking for Jesse and to get her revenge against him but Victor comes back and she's gone completely and that 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 is presumably is the betrayal is that she just left yeah, without saying that a word. she just yeah she just took off on him and okay I know we we just talked about Carlos they have not found him yet correct no they fa- they did find him the he turned up in season one yeah I'm pretty sure I'm I, okay I have a, a memory of him being like tortured and maybe in a car trunk and something like that. Yes, I think she opens okay, up the car trunk okay. and he's there. Right. And the car trunk just yeah. just sparked it. Yeah, and she yeah. wants him to kill him, or they kill him together, and all this. And eventually, there's some resolution, which I think gets somewhat twisted, but I can't remember exactly what happens. But this is all just sort of arranging all the pieces uh, for season one. Gotcha. But then, end of the episode. Uh, Victor is there with his daughter and uh, he nearly shoots her with his automatic weapon, but then, you know, he's basically going to hand it to her so she can go and do target practice in the basement. Uh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Cause, Interesting. Cause, yeah, look, that's what these families do. And uh, he's like, oh, I thought you were that crazy preacher guy. So, you know, he's at least, he seems somewhat, yeah, yeah. As we discover, his story is done because the we hear all the shooting and stuff. The daughter goes and hides in the closet, and I could tell from the noise that those bullets were making who was coming. <laughs> also, we just—I mean, this is now a, a pattern that's been firmly established. When you use the the the, the power, uh, the saint of killers is going to show up eventually, and yeah. I mean, I guess he's walking everywhere, so it can take him a little while to get places. So it might be might be a couple hours before he shows up, um, maybe even a day. But like, it's coming. Um, yeah, and and in some ways, you know, I mean, I mean, Jesse is there for now. That I, I mean, he knows this now, right? Because they they use it in that arranged way with the uh, uh, the angel they kill in the casino. Um, so I mean, in some ways, he's basically complicit in all those deaths right i mean this is no yeah longer, and, this is and no this longer is, a, a random uh un, unexplainable incident this is they they know how this works now um but i mean he used it with that well, woman uh in the previous episode as well and nothing happened of that mm. so i mean th- i think there's some question here because presumably in the future tulip is going to find out that victor has had a a, a horrible death and is yeah. going to assume possibly that uh he had something to do with it and i think as you say there is some argument that he did indeed have something to do with it uh but yeah then the the saint of killers uh, obviously finds the daughter and uh i thought oh they're not gonna are they gonna show him shooting her? yeah <clears throat> uh but we don't get to see what happens all we see is her immediately and very willingly wanting to sell out uh, mm-hmm. the location of Jesse. And I don't know if that gets you a reprieve from the Saint of Killers, because I... Well, maybe, because I think everybody it's... else has been reluctant, mm-hmm. and she's the first one we've seen who's been like, yep, I'll absolutely tell you where he is. It, yeah, it's it's hard to know. He's he's not, not very talkative, not very chatty. <laughs> um, yeah. And he does seem and... to just just murder a lot of people without really giving them any chance to to uh also he had a young family yes. i think so i think she'll get a pass um I, and i think shooting kids is not really a nice thing for tv and usually not done yeah 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 um i've seen it in the, there's a british show called utopia 
which I highly recommend people watch. And there's a scene in that with a school shooting that I thought this would never go on uh, US TV. Uh, not that you see anything, but it's just the whole setup. Uh, yeah. Uh, but but it's a really good show and people should watch it. Uh, but the, yeah, that, that's us at the end of our, our three episode movie. Um, the daughter sold them out. The Saint of Killers knows exactly where they are because it's convenient. I think that's why the daughter was brought by Tulip mm-hmm. to the apartment so that she would know exactly where the apartment was. Yeah, and I'm curious how like Samson unit goes forward, and I'm I'm and almost wondering. There like, was with... one quick scene I forget if we mentioned oh, it. it where a white van dropped off a uh, a man yes. holding a sign, yes, uh, who, with a conspicuous little you know headset earpiece, uh, yes, who's clearly I mean that was clearly Samson unit knows where they are living and is keeping an eye on them. Right. Yeah. See, so, or, and I don't know if it's Samson Unit, but or someone in that in is. that organization. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't have an org chart yet of the crypto fascists. <laughs> so. That's right. Um, That's why but, we're relying on you, Tony, yeah. for your uh, immense org chart knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, it would not surprise me in the slightest if the Saint of Killers and Samson Unit turn up at the same time. Yeah, and see, I, that's that's my that's my that's where I'm I'm lying in in wait is to see. Will he take orders from Samson Unit? Because essentially, let's just call them all angels. Um, he could be I, rationalized and talked with through them. I'm not sure that they're angels so much as uh, I think this is another uh, another group of people. I don't oh. think this is the the same place that you know. Uh, Fior and that came yeah. from. I think, I think that Mose, you you've got this tendency to kind of do the conservation of characters, where like, but like, I think that preacher is all about no. There are all these competing wackadoodle interests, and that the world is very complicated with uh, people with competing and conflicting agendas. So my inclination is to believe that we have many uh, competing th- th- agendas that are not going to be agree with each other at all. And that there's nobody really acting in alliances. Right. So you've got the, yeah. the angels that are panicking. You've got, uh, the bureaucracy of hell. You've got, uh, the saint of killers who has been hired by angels that are now dead. So is basically just like an untamed, uh, un- un- unleashed force of nature. That's, uh, that hasn't, that I don't even know if that counts as an agenda. We've got this religious cult now. Um, We've got uh, Eugene, who will probably get out of hell and not be so happy about having been in hell. And I, I don't think that there's a, I don't think any of these people are in league with each other. I think they're all okay. So, so all, in in yeah, like in your rationale, you basically are saying that there are those who know about God and the afterlife, mm-hmm. and then there are the, there then there's like the regular plain folk who know what you know nothing mm-hmm. and so so there's different levels of 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 knowledge yeah uh on on the astral plane mm-hmm. yeah sure. but i i don't think that these uh white van people are related to heaven or hell, faction yeah. at all or yeah. or hell for that yeah. matter they, i think they are just a cult on earth of um clearly who have resources yes. um Plenty but, of vans. So. Yes, lots, lots of white vans and, and lots of dry cleaning uh, facilities for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, it's quite a ride over those three episodes. And, and I how think, many episodes do we have left? Uh, I'm assuming 10? Uh, I believe the season goes to 13. Oh, well, so we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Nice. Uh, oh, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. It, is that in that conservation, I always get a little nervous. It's like, oh, what are you going to skip? What are you going to push too fast? But it, it, you know, even though this is a fairly fast moving show, I mean, we cut through a lot of different things in just episodes. Mm-hmm. But they are not, they don't uh, shy of like having half the episode be flashbacks. Yes. And I thought that like was that. A, a nice kind of tonal we're we're kind of in the middle-ish of the season and a bunch of kind of crazy action things have happened but like let's go back and look at where our characters came from um so i don't know i'm really enjoying the season i i liked season one but this feels 
like now that they've, I don't know, I mean, and maybe I'll, it'll, I'll feel differently if they spend the rest of the season in New Orleans, but like just getting them out of that town in Texas and on the road and even that, that earlier episode where they're, you know, where they're listening to music and, and having a car chase with police and craziness ensues, like that, that's what I'm here for. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm here for violence to popular music. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Tarantino, for creating that trope in our uh, visual vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> ah, and I haven't looked at any of the previews for next week, so I don't know where we're going. Have either of you seen anything? I, I have not. I avoid them because I want to be surprised. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, that That's one of the things I definitely like about this show is week to week, I have literally no idea where they're going. And every time I come up with a theory, it's completely wrong. Yeah, I, I I can only assume we're gonna go to and we're gonna see some hell, uh, a little bit more of that, maybe a little bit further understanding of how that works, and seeing if this friendship blossoms between uh, uh, Hitler and um, what's our guy <laughs> Eugene? Eugene. I, I think he's kind of spoiled his chances of friendship there. You, you think the so? Of- okay. Well, I I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, because Hitler's such an understanding guy, he knows that he's just going along with it. And we'll get that scene. I just, I I see Hitler saying, okay, you know, I understand it's prison politics. You had to do that. Yeah. I know you didn't mean it. Um, We can still be friends quietly. Do do you want to work on a crossword puzzle with me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've seen a few people, well, quite a few people online literally outraged at the inclusion of hitler in this especially i think because he is painted with this um very black sympathetic uh brush yeah i mean it's very dark comedy right like i don't i mean i it i I don't even know if it's sympathetic so much as it is just like kind of i mean i guess to me it's more pathetic than sympathetic right like he's just this loser, right? And that his yeah, worst day yeah. is that like somebody bumped into him at a fancy bakery, and then maybe he got embarrassed by an art dealer, and his his you know his love interest is doesn't like the communists, right? It, it just and then he becomes a monster because of this, right? I mean, it's uh, it's 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 almost more that it's pathetic than sympathetic, uh, and that yeah, and then that he's gonna go to hell and he's going to be bullied by like the, the other people in hell. <laughs> but I, I'm still, I'm still holding out that this is going to be a, a meta hell mm-hmm. that is entirely constructed for the benefit of Eugene. Mm. Um, and we're going to have some big reveal on this, but I don't know that because I haven't read the comics. If, if any of that storyline is actually in the comics. I don't, I don't remember it, so I don't, but, you know, yeah, that's what I'm going to say to a lot of things. I don't remember, so. But, but if someone wanted he's to know, get out. Yeah, if one, somebody wanted to know, they could read the comics or read some summaries on Wikipedia, but, yeah. Yeah, but we don't. We we're we're, we're yeah. going to be happy with our ignorance. Yeah. Wee! Wee. Well, I think that's us for this group. Um, hopefully we'll get to some more i mean i think we were we were looking at doing two episodes per podcast uh, we makes sense sl- we slipped to three here but i think maybe we'll go back to two for the for the next one um sounds good and, and see how we we get on with it uh but yes thanks tony for for joining us in the car we'll let you off at the the, the next exit and you know you can walk the rest of the way yeah i i, I appreciate the ride but you guys are kind of weird so uh <laughs> you can let me out here <laughs> well we're going to be staying in your town for a little bit so oh. should you want to get back in the car um you know you just you know you just have to you know text us i'll just yeah. something uh, incomprehensible and rapid french so you know <laughs> well um thanks mose uh see you next time sounds great goodbye nerds there it is yeah.